It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Connor Phillips is a name you should know when it comes to Reds pitching prospects, and we are going to tell you why on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, and Tom Nichols, voice of the Dayton Dragons, is back with us again for part two of our two-part conversation as we look at the players and the names to know ahead of spring training for the Cincinnati Reds. By the way, happy pitchers and catchers reporting day as spring training officially begins here on uh, Tuesday, February 14th. I know there's something else that happens on this day, but uh, you know what? It's not near as important as pitchers and catchers reporting and welcome into the Lockdown Reds podcast that is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. And as I always like to say, we love talking Reds baseball because Steve and I are addicts of this team, and we've turned an addiction into information for you. And make sure that you jump into the comments section here on YouTube, or if you're listening Follow us on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's or at S Offenbaker with two F's because we love to talk Reds baseball and we want to talk Reds baseball with you. And on today's Locked On Reds podcast, we're going to be talking with Tom Nichols about the pitching, pitching prospects who are coming up and maybe a look ahead as well as to how the outfield situation can work out and what sort of players may move around there. If that's the case, we are talking about the guys in the minor leagues who can make a big impact on this team this year and beyond. And we're going to start with a dude who a lot of people have tabbed as the top pitching prospect in the Reds organization. And that's Connor Phillips. Well, let's transition into something that's even harder to figure out uh, versus all these position players. And that is the pitchers and who's actually ready. Who's not. And if they are ready, are they starters or are they relievers? And where I'd like to start with you, Tom, uh, is a guy that has been intriguing ever since he got here. And, of course, that's everybody's favorite player to be named later, uh, Connor <laughs> Phillips. And, you know, he basically came over in this deal, you know, as the player to be named later. And I don't believe that he was ever a throw-in. He was never oh. considered, you know, just an extra piece to get it done. He was always, you know, highlight one one B of that trade, it just took a minute for the Reds to decide who they wanted. That's that's my impression of that deal. So all that being said, he came over in that deal and pitched down in Dayton really, really well to the point that he got promoted out. 
So I'd just like for you to talk about him for a little bit and where you see him profiling. Is he going to remain a starting pitcher? Do you think that he tracks better uh, ending up in the Reds bullpen? Uh, how do you see things playing out for him both in the near term and the long term? And how soon do you think he'll be in Cincinnati? A guy I really like, um, Connor Phillips, was the player to be named later in the in the trade that sent Winker and Suarez to Seattle. Um, he might end up being the best player that came back in that deal. It's po quite possible, I think. Um, I my expectations when we first got him, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I figured he would be a guy that would show you that would flash a lot of skills but would also flash the fact that he has a long way to go because he, he was a junior college guy who never made it to a four-year school. Um, and um, I was a little bit surprised that right away they came out and said that he would come to Dayton. Um, he had played uh, the year before. Um, Loe Modesto had a 475 ERA as a starter in the Cal League. And I, I thought, well, maybe they'll start him back in low A again and, and uh, give him a few starts. He was our opening day starting pitcher in Dayton, and he looked outstanding from the first day. I mean, way above what I expected. Um, he, would, he, he, uh, he was a dominant pitcher from the first day he set foot in this league. And um, he had a 13-strikeout game. Hard to do in this day and age because they don't let you throw as many pitches as they used to. So the club records for strikeouts are records that are hard to break. Our, our club records, 14, a guy that probably threw seven or eight innings to get to 14 strikeouts. And nobody's throwing eight innings in this day and age um, in the minor leagues. Um, you know, Phillips is going to go five most games. Um, and uh, he would sit 97, 98, 99, not peak at those numbers, pitch consistently 97 to 99. Uh, excellent breaking ball when he commanded it, unhittable, okay? You got that kind of a fastball and a breaking ball when you command that's unhittable. That, that's a guy that's going to make some people look bad up there. So he, he spent the first half with, with the Dragons, um, 90 strikeouts in 64 innings, ERA 295, 39 hits in 64 innings. Okay, that's that's pretty good. So they move him up to double A. He struggled initially and eventually finished the year with an ERA of under five at 493. Uh, again, a lot of strikeouts, 60 strikeouts in 45 and two-thirds. They did expose the fact that his command still isn't quite where it needs to be. And they were able to work 34 walks in 45 and two-thirds innings. That's a lot of walks. Mm -hmm. That's where the weakness came in. They were able to, to exploit that problem. And um, that happens when you've got, you got an area that, as a, as a pitcher or a hitter, that can be exploited. When you move up, they find it. And uh, so Phillips, I talked to him again. He was at Reds Fest, and he told me that, he thought he probably would go back to Chattanooga to start the year. I, I, I'll be honest with you, Stephen. I'll be surprised if he gets a lot of innings in spring training simply because they've got, you know, they've got 30 pitchers that they're auditioning for spots. He's not one of them. So yeah. wh why would you give a guy like that a bunch of innings 
Um, he probably needs to be an early cut out of spring training and get back to the minor league camp where he can get on a, a regular five-day, build up your innings, and then go to wherever he's going for this Chattanooga and be ready to go five, six innings from opening day there rather than trying to get an inning in and in a big league game every five or six days. That's just not the best way to, to, to get your starting pitcher ready for – so I don't expect him to have a lot of time on the mound in spring training, um, but I do expect to have some. Um, you know, I, I you know, let's say three to five innings in big league games in spring training maybe, um, and then back to, to camp and get him ready for, for, for opening day in Chattanooga or maybe Louisville, but more likely Chattanooga. Great stuff. Will he move to the bullpen? Maybe, but not for a while. He's going to be a starter, and he'll keep starting until, you know, a lot of these guys you're seeing, we saw them as starters in the minor leagues. Tony Santian was a very good starter in the minor leagues. Amir Garrett was a very good starter in the minor leagues. Uh, those guys were all starters, um, and and uh, and some remained as starters, like Hunter Green and Graham Ashcraft and Nick Lodolo and Tyler Malley. Uh, Robert Stevenson was a starter in the minor leagues, became a reliever. Um it, it takes a while for that to play out, and we'll see. So um, another another name to watch for. I hope the game that he pitches or games are televised. There's about, I think, six, seven games on Bally Sports, mm-hmm. some other games on uh, MLB uh, TV. I hope you get to see him in spring training uh, because he is fun to watch, and if he's on, he is really fun to watch. So with that, kind of like you said, there's so many different pitching prospects that are in camp that are vying for spots. When you look at those guys, who do you think has the best chance, the most likely to make that opening day rotation? Because we're talking about Brandon Williamson, Levi Stout, uh, Andrew Abbott, a guy that I kind of want to drill in on here in a few minutes. But of those guys, and, and even some that I didn't name, who do you think is most likely to fill out that rotation? It's possible that depending on how they want to go, that none of those guys make the rotation. Um, um, that uh, that they go instead with uh, Luis Sessa, again, back, who's been a reliever and, and, and finished last year as a starter. They signed a free agent by the name of Weaver that mm-hmm. would be a candidate. Um, and they've got uh, Justin Dunn, who they got in that same tr- uh, trade with um, Seattle. Um, there's a couple others, perhaps, uh, 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 Connor Overton was a guy that pitched well for him last year that had co- sort of come out of nowhere. He'd, he'd been out of independent ball. Um, if they go with younger guys, you did mention the two that would be candidates, Williamson and Stout. Um, Williamson probably regarded as a little bit further along. He had more time in, in AAA last year than Stout did. Stout came over in a midseason trade with um, Seattle and uh, – uh, Williamson also came from Seattle, but came over um, uh, before the season, that Winker and, and Suarez deal. Both of those guys are potential long-term starters for the Reds. Will they you know, throw the dice and say, okay, the future's now. Let's get it going, guys. Let's give these guys a chance right now. They'll be in a different position than a Connor Phillips in spring training in that they're pitching for a job. Um, and, and so, um, again, this goes back. You you will know something when you start seeing lineups come out. Are they are they starting Williamson every fifth day and building up his innings like a starter? Is he given a, a legitimate chance to earn a spot, or does he go in and you see him just pitching um, maybe uh, out of the bullpen when there's an opportunity? And uh, that'll tell you something right there because uh, when I when I find out what the first 
they'll, you know, they'll have five or six starting pitchers when spring training games began on the 25th. And that'll tell you where things stand and, 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 and who the guys are that it, it, the, the media conjecture will be over at that point because you'll start to see who David Bell really has along with their pitching coach, Derek Johnson, um, who they really have uh, their eyes on as potential starters. I, I think those two guys you mentioned, neither of whom were in the Reds organization this, this time a year ago, um, Williamson and Stout, both good top 20 prospects. Williamson may be a top 10 prospect. Um, will be interesting to watch in spring training. There's a dark horse pitcher who could work his way into the rotation, which wouldn't surprise anybody because this dude has had a meteoric rise through the Reds farm system over the last year. Tom, Steve, and I will talk about the impact of Andrew Abbott and what he could do this season to break into the major leagues coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is Built Bar. Grab yourself a Built Bar anytime you need a little bit of energy because they have the kind of health statistics that make you think that you're going to be sticking to your diet, but they have the taste and the chocolate to convince you that you're not. Because every single Built Bar is covered in 100% real chocolate, and you're talking about up to 130 calories and up to 17 grams of protein in most bars. I know last night I went to work out, and after I came home, I was drained, felt like I needed a little extra something, grabbed the cookies and cream Built Bar. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't tried a cookies and cream Built Bar, go get yourself right now. You can you can check it out at Built.com. But you can also go to Sam's Club or Walmart and find boxes there. We've been telling you for so long you can get it at Built.com, but if you don't want to wait, head on down the road to Walmart where you can find a four-bar box of a couple of different flavors, including cookies and cream, or head to uh, Sam's Club and find a 13-bar box that includes flavors like churro. Just absolutely brilliant stuff. When it comes to Built Bar, they're going to mix healthy with tasty talking about amazing flavors you've got a uh, cookie dough chunk you've got a, a coconut puff you've got birthday cake puff there's so many great flavors that will fit right into your diet but you're not going to realize that you're sticking to your diet that's built.com or go find yourself some boxes at sam's club and walmart today and you can thank me later Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Coming up tomorrow, we are going to break down some of the interesting storylines. Shortstop is quite a storyline when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds spring training. I'm going to tell you what Jose Pereiro can do to stave off the ever-rising stock of Ellie De La Cruz. That's coming up on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds podcast. But let's jump back into our conversation with Tom Nichols as we look at Andrew Abbott. With that one guy that I mentioned, and, and I've heard his name a lot leading into spring training, and that's Andrew Abbott, a guy who, you know, different people are comparing and, and kind of just the way that I've seen him rise through the ranks. I kind of look at him almost like Graham Ashcraft as he's had that kind of a rise through the red system. What, what is his ceiling? Like, do you think that we will see him in the rotation at some point this year? Because that's the impression that I'm getting from the different things that I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I'm not really a big guy on a ceiling or floor because oftentimes sure. they go outside of that your 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 ramp your your specs. But uh, 
Um, he's a different kind of pitcher than some of the guys we talk, we have, you and I and Steven have talked about. Okay, so let's talk about some of the top pitching prospects that were in Dayton that we talked about a lot on this show. Joe Boyle throws 97 to 100. Connor Phillips will sit at 97 to 99 consistently. Um, uh, Chase Petty in high school threw 102 miles an hour, okay? Flamethrowers, all these guys. Ashcraft, you just mentioned, throws a 99-mile-an-hour two-seamer. Right. Uh, and, okay, Andrew Abbott, 91 to 93. So not the same kind of guy. But success-wise in the minor leagues in, in, in Dayton, outperformed any of them, okay? Outperformed any of them. His ERA in Dayton in the month of April last year he made five starts for us. Actually, one was not technically a start. He came in, I think, after Luis Castillo, who was on a rehab assignment and threw like two innings. So Abbott followed him that day. It was his scheduled day to start. So on in the record book, it went down as a relief appearance, but it was really it was a start. Okay, he, he made five starts, 27 innings, gave up two runs, two runs in 27 innings. Got got him moved up to double A. Okay, so that's all we saw of him. 27 innings, two runs allowed. Struck out 40 in 27 innings. Um, ERA 0.67. Overmatched the hitters in the time he was with us. Okay, so I, a, a couple other things to add that I think, to me, sort of stood out. One was that they were very aggressive in moving him along. Last year was his first year, really, of pro ball. The, the previous year, he had thrown... 13 innings total after being drafted in, in July. And then they, they brought him in. He threw 13 innings. So last year really was his first first full season, really first real season. And he starts out in high A and finishes in double A. You don't see that much. I mean, you saw it with like a Mike Leak, um, but rarely, rarely does a a pitcher start his career basically in, in high A and then that same year be in double A. So um, this is a guy that uh, you, you th I bring that up because what if he had been on the normal timetable and had been in Daytona or finished the year in, in Dayton after starting in Dayton? I mean, his Pitching numbers. Shutout might, after shutout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his numbers might be completely off the charts. Right. He, finished, he finished in Chattanooga, made 20 starts there and had a 475 ERA. Had 119 strikeouts in 91 innings, mm. and won the Reds minor league pitcher of the year. So that that's another guy. I don't know that we'll see a lot of innings out of him in spring training because of the same reasons I just talked about with Phillips. They just got so many pitchers that they really have got to take a look at and mm. and and settle up those fourth and fifth spots in the rotation. I, I just don't know that. Um, that he's going to get a lot of innings. I would be surprised if he did. If he does, it tells you that they are willing to look at him right now because you can't invest innings in a guy that that um, isn't going to be a factor out of the gate. It doesn't do him any good, and it doesn't do the organization any good. So we'll see. I would say, again, might be a guy that you don't see a lot of innings from, but I, I hope you see some. And, and then maybe later in the season – I mean, Ashcraft last year didn't throw a lot of innings in spring training. There's, spring training was very short last year to begin with. But uh, mm -hmm. um, 
that is, uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on and a guy I really enjoyed. Just absolutely overmatched the opposition as a, as a player without much experience. Um, so Andrew Abbott, left-hand pitcher, uh, uh, Remember that name because he's going to be worth keeping. But again, much different kind of prospect than the other guys we've talked about who are just power arms that throw gas. He he will throw high fastballs. Uh, he he's got secondary pitches that that uh, guys at our level can't hit. So the Reds' forty-man roster sits at forty right now, and right. one one of the things that Jeff and I were watching is when it came around Rule Five draft time, uh, we were very interested in who they chose to protect and who they didn't. And one of the names that popped up as a guy that they chose to protect is a guy that you know, quite frankly, Jeff and I need a little bit of education on, and we're hoping you know about him a little bit. I may not even say his name correctly, but is this Ricky Karcher? Yeah, is that a is that is yep. that correct? Oh yeah, Ricky uh, Karcher was a relief. What can pitcher. you tell us about him? Yeah, okay. He uh, he started his college career at the University of Michigan. Eventually transferred to a junior college and got drafted out of junior college. And um, he has been a reliever the last couple of years. And uh, again, power arm, high nineties with an outstanding breaking ball, has big league stuff. Top-level, elite, big-league stuff. What he has not had is good command. Um, and that's going to dictate his his level of success. They have him on the 40-man. He, he's got a lot of potential. He is 25 years old, so not not uh, not exactly, you know, spring chicken. He, he's, I mean, by 25, you, you need to be knocked on the door of the big leagues. Although with a pitcher, it can obviously take a little longer. The, the, the season we had him in Dayton, just when I say he's had trouble throwing strikes, how about this? Okay. In Dayton, we had him for 18 games out of the bullpen in 21. He threw 19 innings and walked 30. 30 oh. walks in 19 innings. Okay. So we saw a lot of struggles to throw strikes. Um, games where he would come in the game. I think he had a game where he walked – the. the he did have a couple of games where he gave up the majority of his runs all in one inning and his ERA was five twelve. but again, most of the runs came in short spurts. He had one game, as I recall, where I think he walked the first four in the inning and the fifth guy hit a grand slam. So there's five runs right away. He only gave up 11 in the time with us. Five of them came right there, but he, he, he showed improvement last year when he got the triple a started the year in double a. I thought he would come back to us. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Our, our manager, Brian LaHarrisalm in spring training, said he looked outstanding. So he starts the year in Chattanooga, pitched well, 42 strikeouts in 25 innings. The walks were better, but not good enough. 21 walks in 25 innings. That's not going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he pitched um, pretty well, 324 ERA. So they move him up to AAA, a lot of improvement, 19 walks in 32 innings. That's much better. Now that's getting on the borderline of being okay, being acceptable. Still higher than you'd like, but in that conversation of, well, maybe we can make this work. So can he keep improving? The strikeout numbers were still were still really high, and the number of hits allowed really low, and he improved on the number of walks. So he, he, you know, you're talking one inning stints out of the bullpen where he comes in and he's throwing in the high 90s with a hammer of a breaking ball. Can he throw strikes? That's the question with Karcher. Um, and big pitcher's body 
230. You look at him and you'd say, boy, he looks like he could throw the ball through a brick wall. He's just got that great pitcher's build. And um, uh, the, the kind of arm that's, that people in the Reds organization really, really like, and it's just going to be a question of can he improve his command and control so that he's not giving up the number of walks he gave up when he was in Dayton. As we've said multiple times this offseason, opportunity abounds in the Cincinnati Reds outfield. And when you look through the farm system, there's really no bona fide studs who are coming up and getting ready to take over some spots. I asked Tom exactly how the outfield situation is going to play out. Coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America. And when you're talking about where we are in the sports calendar, we are in the middle of the NBA season. And FanDuel is the perfect companion throughout the NBA season because new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download FanDuel Sportsbook today. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to guys who are going to make three-pointers in the NBA. Plus, you can also bet on MLB futures. And I'm looking at one as we look at possible National League Rookies of the Year. Ellie De La Cruz comes in with odds at uh, 12-1. to 1 to win the Rookie of the Year award. And if you want to check that out and more futures bets, like how many wins uh, over under that the Reds will have, check it out at FanDuel Sportsbook. They are the number one sportsbook in America, and they are the official sportsbook sponsor of Locked On. Just head on over to FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked On to learn more. Make every moment more. With FanDuel, they're the official sports betting partner. They're, they are an official sports betting partner of the NBA. In between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked On Reds. All right, let's jump back in and finish up our conversation as we look at the outfield with Tom Nichols. How do you foresee the the outfield developing? Because, you know, Nick Crawl made that whole point. He wanted to trade for a guy, and he traded for Will Benson. Uh, but you need more than just one outfielder moving forward. Some of those guys are going to have to, to develop, Jeff, um, and you hope one of them will. I mean, they took Austin Hendrick in the first round in 2020 out of high school in Pennsylvania. Um, uh, Reese Hines is a, is a uh, second-round pick who was an infielder, moved to the outfield, and he took to the outfield very well. Um, and they're, they're similar players in that they've got uh, the ability to hit the ball a country mile. They're both fast, big, athletic, um, good hitters, but too many strikeouts. Right. So, you know, I had a conversation at the end of last season with the minor league hitting coordinator, Dave Hansen, former big league hitting coach. And he, he, he said some things that were music to my ears after watching um, our, our hitting uh, – um, execution over two years, where we had a tremendously high number of strikeouts and broke the club record in home runs last year, um, which was great, but we had too many strikeouts. We didn't score enough runs. Um, and he said, I want line drives. I want 
line drives through the middle or to all fields. And that is what I'm hoping we start to see. And I, I'm start, I'm hoping that these guys who have ability, I mean, you watch Austin Hendrick, number one pick, and, and he struggled to get above 220. And you you watch him and the ball flies off his bat. And it doesn't have to be a home run. When he hits a line drive, it's a rocket. But the problem is too many swings and misses. And so can they can they do what you just suggested? And one or two of those guys really takes a big step forward this year. Look for it, hopefully. I hope I hope it happens. Whether it's Hendrick or Hines or, or uh, Justice Thompson or uh, Jay Allen or one of the guys in Daytona um, or somebody else that might move to the outfield. Like perhaps maybe they, they start thinking about moving Matt McLean to the outfield. Um, uh, something along those lines. Again, you, you, as you said, you need some of those because all their prospects are a shortstop right now. Right. And you need some of those guys to, to be able to develop at other positions to get you to a point where you've got a balanced team across the field and, and not all your guys, uh, your, your, your top three prospects are all shortstops. Marte may be a third baseman now. Um, so uh, he's at the point where they maybe are moving him to, to another position, but a lot of the other guys, they have collected shortstops because those are your best athletes on the field and you can move them elsewhere. And, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But at some point, they're, some of those outfielders are going to have to develop. You know, Matt McClain is one that I, I have been beating the drum for a move to the outfield. You know, he played center field at UCLA. Uh, you know, I, I interviewed him last season. And, you know, before I even finished asking him the question about what position uh, he would be, he, like he basically just jumped in and said shortstop. I know he wants to be a shortstop, but I think if it ultimately comes down to you can be a big league center fielder or a, a Louisville shortstop, uh, you know, I think outfield wins every time. Uh, Kind of rate that possibility uh, of all the guys you mentioned. I think he's the most natural move just because he's already played there. Yeah, he's played it. He's got the speed. He's fast. He's he's kind of a Sinzel type grinder type player. Um, he, uh, um, you know, when we had Sinzel, Sinzel was a great player. And I, I still have my hopes that eventually the fans, the Reds fans uh, who, who've been disappointed in what they've seen so far, will see the Sinzel we saw. And I, I don't think it's out of the question. Injuries have held him back more than anything. Um, will it happen? I don't know, but I hope it does. But back to McLean, who's a similar kind of player. Um, uh, again, you know, he came out of UCLA and was a big hitter and they, they aggressively moved him. He, he starts his career in high a and, and goes to double a for a full season on his first full year, aggressive move there hits 17 home runs. He walked a lot. But again, just way too many strikeouts, 127 strikeouts in 371 at bats. I don't have the percentages. I know in today's day, people want to hear strikeout percentages. I don't have those handy, but um, that's just way too many strikeouts. He, he's not that kind of player. That, that's an all or nothing type hitter. He needs to be a, a line drive, hit it to all fields, gap to gap, a lot of doubles and, um, and hit for a much higher batting average uh, and do some things on the bases. He can steal a base, stole 27 bases last year. Um, I still, I've certainly not given up on him as a player, but I think he's got something to prove as far as um, just cutting down on the strikeouts. And, and if that happens 
um, he may want to stay at shortstop. And if he, if he becomes the player that he hopes he can be, I'm sure he hasn't given up on that. Um, because if, if you're that kind of player, they don't have a, a, a they don't have an all-star shortstop in the big leagues right now. They might at some point. Uh, De La Cruz may take over. If De La Cruz becomes the player we think he will, then somebody else will be um, moving to another position because he'll have a firm grasp there. Um, you know, again, it goes back to they've got all these guys that that that, that were middle infielders and specifically shortstops. They're all going to have to. One of them will stay at shortstop. The rest will have to move somewhere else. Greatly appreciate Tom's time as he he gave us quite a bit of time. And we're even going to have a little extra episode coming up previewing who could be on the Dayton Dragons. Spoiler alert, Chase Petty is a name that could be on the Dayton Dragons along with Edwin Arroyo, the number three prospect in the system. Yes, the beginning of the season is once again going to be very exciting for the Dayton Dragons. You're not going to want to miss that. And if you missed the first part of our conversation, we broke down some key names. We talked a lot about Ellie De La Cruz and some concerns that we might actually have for the Phenom. That was in our first part of the conversation with Tom Nichols. Thank you so much for listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast, though. Now, go check out the Lockdown MLB Prospects podcast as Lindsey Crosby gives you an in-depth look to every single farm system, including the Reds, on Locked On MLB Prospects. It's just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. As we uh, roll through, I mean, pitchers and catchers are reporting. The rest of the team is due to report next week, and we are less than two weeks from the first spring training game. Can't wait. February 25th. Let's go. And as we get closer to that, we are going to have you covered on everything Cincinnati Reds because we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.